In Matthew chapter 18 and verse number 2, Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them. There's a group of them there, the Jews. And said, Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. So the kids, we want them to sit up and learn how to behave themselves appropriately in church. But the adults, what I want you to do is I want you to become as a little child in your heart. We might look at a, a day like today and say, well, this is for the kids. Well, it's not just for the kids. The, the Word of God is, is a powerful message for anybody and everybody. So uh, we'll, uh, we'll ask the kids to uh, behave and, and act like... Now, don't act like some of the adults that you'll see after about 10 minutes here. They'll be going like this. Oh, uh-huh. What does the preacher say? And so don't, don't be like that, uh, but sit up nice and straight and tall and pay attention and and uh, enjoy the service as we do some, uh, as we preach God's word, we look into God's word. And then the adults, just, just approach this as a little child. See what God has for you uh, in this message today. Well, I want to tell you that God created the earth. And we, we know that because God's word says it. And God created the earth, the earth. He wanted the earth to be inhabited and filled with people, including kids. Did you know that? When God created the earth, he wanted it to be filled with people. And he, he wanted to be filled with kids. We find this in Genesis chapter 1. And it says, And God said, Let us make man in our image and after our likeness. So God created man. You've probably learned about that in your Sunday school classes and so forth. What day was, did God create man? What day did God create man? Do you know? What day? No. Remember, God created man on the, the sixth day. God created man, right? And so on the sixth day, God created man. Male and female, the Bible says, created he them. That's important for you to know. He made males and females. There's a difference between them. And so God made each distinct and different. He made male and female, created he them. And God blessed them. And you know what God said to them? He said, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. That's how we know that when God spoke the earth into existence, he wanted it filled with people, especially wanted it filled with kids. Now, why do you think that would be? Why do you think that would be? How come God wants a bunch of kids running around? Because he loves kids, and that's exactly what this message is about. God has always viewed kids as, as something special. He loves kids. God loves kids. And do you know, uh, w- w- let's talk about some of these things this morning. What do you think uh, that God, why God loves kids? How, why do you think God loves kids? You're awfully shy. Yes. Well, he made them. God, Donald, why do you think God loves kids? Because you're Donald and, and God loves you, right? Well, this is why I have some reasons here that I've prepared already. But first of all, God uh, loves the joy that kids bring. God loves the joy that kids bring. There's a, a man in the Word of God, and his name was Abraham. And uh, Abraham's wife's name was Sarah. And they were sad because they were old. Now, when I say old, I don't mean old like pastor. I mean old, like twice as old as pastor. Abraham was 100 years old. And so he was old. And Sarah, his wife, was 90. I don't think we have any 90 or 100-year-old year people here today. But they, they were old. And they were sad 
because they didn't have any children yet. But then God told them he was going to give them a baby. And guess what? Abraham laughed with joy because he was so happy. We find that story in Genesis chapter 17. God said to Abraham, Abraham, I will give thee a son. Abraham fell on his face and laughed, and he said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old, and Sarah that is ninety years old? And God said, Sarah, thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed. And so they were happy, they laughed, and that's one of the reasons that God loves kids, because of the joy that kids bring into the world. Secondly, God loves kids because they can hear Him. Did you know that you could hear God? That's what the Bible teaches us about a, a boy by the name of Samuel. And Samuel worked in the temple. And there was a priest there. The priest's name was Eli. And Samuel was a little boy. And one night Samuel went to bed and he heard somebody call his name. Samuel. And so Samuel thought it was Eli, and he got up and he ran into Eli's bedroom and said, uh, yes, Eli, you called me, uh, what do you need? And Eli kind of woke up from his sleep and he said, you crazy kid, I didn't, I didn't call you, I didn't say anything, you must, be, you must have been dreaming or something, go back to bed. So Eli, uh, or Samuel went back to bed and he laid down and, and started to doze off to sleep and all of a sudden he heard it, Samuel. He thought, oh, that's Eli. Now, now Eli's, so he gets up, he runs to Eli's bedroom. He says, he says yes, Eli, what, what do you need? Do you need me to get you a glass of water or something? And, and Eli kind of woke himself up again and said, well, what are you talking about, Samuel? I didn't, I didn't call you. And then Eli all, Eli, all of a sudden he realized, oh, I wonder if God's talking to little Samuel. And so he said, hey, Samuel, I think God might be trying to talk to you. And so he said, Samuel, I want you to go lay down again. And if you hear somebody call your name, you say, uh, hear my Lord, your, thy servant heareth. And so Samuel said, yes, sir. He went, laid down in bed again. And, and a little while later, he's just starting to doze off. He hears his name again, Samuel. Samuel says, just like Eli instructed him, he said, yes, Lord. This is Samuel. Your servant hears. What do you need? And the Lord told Samuel, I've got a special message for you to deliver. And God loves kids. Why? Because kids can hear God's voice. Uh, God loves that about kids. God loves kids because they can be brave. Did you know that? How many of you ever girls have ever heard of a, a little girl in the Bible by the name of Miriam? You ever hear of Miriam? Miriam was Moses' sister. Now, in that day and age, the, the Jewish people lived in a country called Egypt, and there was a, a, a main ruler that they called Pharaoh. And Pharaoh decided that he was going to put out a decree that all baby boys that were born to the Jewish people were going to be put to death. And so if there's a baby boy that was born, they would, they would destroy that baby boy. Isn't that sad? What a sad thing. Well, well, Moses' mother uh, had, had Moses. She, she had a baby, and the, and the uh, Jewish uh, midwives, they, they made sure that, uh, that nobody knew about it. And, and so Moses' mother tried to hide little baby Moses, and she kept him, but pretty soon Moses started getting bigger, and he started making a little bit more noise and things like that. And Moses' mother couldn't hide baby Moses any longer, and so she put together what the Bible calls an ark. It was a little boat, just a tiny little boat, and she made it out of, 
out of, uh, out of reeds and things like that that you would find next to the river. And, and she smeared some slime in it and let it dry so that it would be waterproof. And then she took that little boat that she had made and, and she put baby Moses down into that boat. And, and she went out to the river when nobody was watching. There was a cover on it. And she went out to the river and she put little baby Moses in that little tiny boat uh, by, the, by the cattails in the river. And uh, Miriam, Moses' older sister, uh, she kind of hung around because she thought, boy, there's crocodiles in that river. And, and uh, you know, what if, the, what if that little boat gets out into the current and floats down the river? So Miriam stayed around and she watched to see what would happen uh, to her little baby brother, Moses. Well, it wasn't too much longer that Pharaoh's daughter came down to the water to to, to take a bath. And but before she could take a bath, she saw that little boat in the in the reeds there and the cattails, and she sent her uh, her servant to go get it for her. And she opened it up, and guess what? She saw little baby Moses inside there, and he was crying and fussing, and he wasn't a happy baby. He was not happy at all. He had a dirty diaper and he was hungry. He wanted something to eat. And so, uh, uh, so Miriam saw all this happen. She runs over to Pharaoh's daughter and says, Hey, would you like me to go get one of the Hebrew women to, 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 to nurse the child? Because Pharaoh's daughter knew this is one of the Hebrew women's children. And so Miriam, guess what she did? She went and said, Hey, Mom, guess what? Pharaoh's daughter found baby Moses and she wants me to get you to come take care of baby Moses. And so Miriam was so smart. She was so clever. She was so brave. And she went and got her mother and her mother came back and got baby Moses and, and raised baby Moses until he was old enough to become uh, to, to not have to need mom anymore and could eat solid food and things like that and, and was given over to Pharaoh to live in, uh, in Pharaoh's household. But Miriam, man, she was brave during a very bad time uh, th that was going on. And so God loves that, loves that about kids. We find that story, parents, in Exodus chapters 1 and 2, if you want to read that later to your children. God loves also this that kids can give. How many of you ever heard the story about the, the five loaves and the two small fish? There's a, a thousands of people one time that were following Jesus, and uh, one of them was a little boy, and uh, he didn't. He didn't have much, but he he had. He gave what he had to the Lord Jesus, uh, two two uh, small fish and five loaves, and Jesus used it to perform a miracle. He fed five thousand men. The Bible records just the men. He had over five thousand people with just a little bit of food that that little boy shared. And and God loves kids because kids share. Do you share? Do you share your stuff? With your brothers and sisters and your friends? Well, I thought you did. You, Yeah, that's good. You know, God loves that about kids. God loves it about kids. Kids share. They can be brave. They, they bring joy to the earth. They can hear God speak. You know that God loves kids to be close to Him? One time Jesus uh, had to tell the disciples to stop turning the kids away. Because Jesus wanted everybody to know that the kids were always welcome uh, to come and to be close to Him. 
In Matthew chapter 19, not far from where our text is, the Word of God says, Then there were brought unto him little children, that he should put his hands on them and pray. And the disciples rebuked them. But Jesus said, Suffer little children, and forbid them not to come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. Folks, I'm telling you, kids, I'm telling you, God loves kids. Matter of fact, one of the ways that God describes his presence uh, uh, after everything's said and done and the end of time comes and we enter into eternity, God describes eternity in his presence this way, that the streets of the city shall be full of boys and girls playing in the streets thereof. God loves kids. You know what else? God loves you. God loves you. Everly, God loves you. Olivia, God loves you. Uh, Aria, God loves you. Jude, God loves you. Donald, God loves you. Cole, God loves you. Ella, God loves you. Lydia, God loves you. And all of you, God loves you. God loves kids. You're God's creation. I want you to listen to me very closely. I want you to, to hear what I have to say. Are you looking at me? Eyeballs. Eyeballs up here. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. That's what the psalmist said in Psalm 139, verse 14. He said, I'll praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made, just like you are. You're, you're just fearfully and wonderfully made. God made you unique and individual. He gave you your own personality and made you in your own extra special way. There is not another kid like you. You guys are special, each and every one of you, fearfully and wonderfully made. God knows everything about you. Did you know that? Listen, God knows everything about you. The Bible says in Jeremiah, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Even when you're in your mama's belly, God knew you. Even before that, God knew you. God knows all the good things that you do. And there's a lot of good things I'm sure that you do. You told me just a little while ago you shared. That's a good thing. Um, do you ever help mom around the house doing things around the house? Yeah, that's a good thing, right? Do you ever, are you ever kind to anybody? Have you ever said something nice to somebody and make them feel good? That's good. Yeah, those are good things. But you know what else? God doesn't know just all the good things you do, but he also knows that sometimes you do wrong. How many have you ever done wrong? Yeah, yeah. God knows all the wrong things that we do. The Word of God calls the wrong things we do sin. Everybody has sinned. You have sinned. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. God sees everything that we do. He hears everything we say. And He even knows all of our thoughts. He knows about all the things that keep us from Him and that will separate us from Him for eternity. The Bible says in Jeremiah 23, Can any hide himself in secret places that I shall not see him, saith the Lord? Do not I fill heaven and earth, saith the Lord? So God knows all about this. He knows that we're sinners. But He loves us so much. He loves you so much that He made a way for all of that to be fixed. And this is important. Now there are consequences for doing wrong things. You know that? Right? We get Sometimes we get corrected, don't we? Then those corrections come in different various forms. Sometimes it's a stern look. Sometimes it's a snap of the fingers, right? Sometimes it's a, you're not allowed to play with that toy for, you know, however long mom and dad say, right? And so there's consequences for doing wrong things. You'll face that all your life. Well, according to the Bible, the consequence for sin, for doing wrong things, is, is death. 
The wages of sin is death. That's a consequence for sin. Somebody, think about this, somebody had to pay for all the wrong things that everybody has done. All of them. Otherwise, everybody would have to pay for their, for their own sin. Because that's what the Word of God says. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That The wages of sin is death. But God, I told you a moment ago, God made a way to, to fix all that, to, to make that better. And the way that He did that was by becoming a man without ever stopping to be God. One of the names that we find for Jesus in the Bible is the Word. Now we find that in John chapter 1 where the Bible says, in the beginning was the Word. That's talking about Jesus. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In verse number 14, we learn that Jesus, the Word, was made flesh. In other words, God became a man. That's, that's how He initiated fixing this problem. See, somebody had to come and pay for everybody's sin. And so Jesus decided He would do it. Matter of fact, the decision was made long before you and I were on this earth. Jesus came to this earth... God came to this earth without ever ceasing to be God. He became a man. He kept all the rules that God made for everybody to keep. Jesus never did anything wrong. Uh, and, and yet he still chose to go to the cross, shed his own blood, and pay for everybody else's sin. Now does that sound fair? That somebody who didn't do anything wrong paid for everybody else's wrong. That doesn't sound fair, does it? But he did it. He did it for my sin. He did it for you, for your sin. It's not fair that Jesus bled and died to pay for the wrong things that everybody else did. Why would Jesus do that? Why would Jesus do that? And the answer is because God loves kids. That's why. God loves kids. God loves you, and he wants you to be with him now and forever. The Bible says, but God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. See, Jesus paid for our sins, the sins we did. Now that... True story doesn't stop there. Three days later, Jesus came back to life. The Bible says Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Now I want you to pay attention. Jesus coming back from the dead is proof that He's God, and that He alone has the power to keep us from being separated from God. See? There's nothing more that needs to be done for us to be with God. Jesus took care of it all, and it is God's gift to you. Are you, are you still with me? Everybody, okay, I want you all to stop and stand up. Okay, kids, stand up. All the kids, stand up. Here we are. We're right here now. Go ahead, stand up. What's going on? Oh, go ahead. Well, just let them. Okay, that's fine. Good, are we all here? All right, let's sit back down again. Good. You can sit down. There you go. Good job. We're almost done. So, it's a gift. There's nothing more that you need to do, Olivia or Lydia. Nothing more that you need to do. All that's left to do is to believe, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Whosoever say it with me, believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. To believe means to totally trust from your heart what the Word of God says about Jesus and what He has done by done for you by shedding his blood, dying and rising back to life from the dead. The Bible says in Acts 16.31, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. You know, folks, believing is, is as easy as saying yes. That's it. 
It's as easy as saying yes. The Word of God says that if we believe, we'll never be separated from God. And that promise starts the moment we believe and it lasts forever. Jesus said, I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. You find that in John 10, 28. So kids, I want to ask you some questions and then we're going to be done, okay? Who is Jesus? Jude. That's exactly right. That is exactly right. That's exactly right. Jesus is God. God became a man without ever ceasing to be God. And in that man's body, shed his blood, died, was buried, and rose again, proving that he is God and proving that he alone has the power to keep us from being separated from God. Why did Jesus die on the cross? Hold on, hold on. Go ahead. That's exactly right. That's right. Well, I'll call on you if I, if I need any more, okay? So Jesus is God. They answered that question. Uh, why did he die on the cross? Because he wanted to save us from our sin. Why? Because there's, a, there's a, a payment to be made for sin. There's a consequence for sin. So children, let me ask you this. Is Jesus still dead? Lydia? No, he's not. He rose again. When Jesus rose again, it, it was a proof that he was God. And it also uh, shows us that he alone has the power to keep us from being separated from God for eternity. So Jesus is God. That was the right answer. Why did he die on the cross? To pay for our sin. Is he still dead? No, he's not. You can put your hands down. I'll ask some more questions maybe later, okay? You answered all those questions correctly. Now, Here's another question. This is for everybody, and I don't want you to answer this out loud. I want you to answer this to yourself. Don't answer this out loud. Will you believe from your heart what the Word of God says about Jesus and what He did for you? And if you, if you will, then maybe during this invitation time, you would, you would tell Him that you believe. So what we're going to do is we're going to have an invitation, and this is what I'd like to do with the little ones. That first Sunday school room, Andrew and Hannah, if you would take them to that first Sunday school room out in the foyer. Parents, you can pick up your kids from there when we're done here. But I'd like, I'd like for you to, Andrew, if you just run back through this very quickly with them and, and just ask those simple questions. Do you believe from your heart what the Word of God says about Jesus and what He did for you? And if you believe, would you like to tell God right now that you believe? And so, you know, work with that. There needs to be an understanding there. We're, folks, we're not just trying to do some blanket thing where kids are doing something they don't understand. So I think Andrew understands where I'm coming from. So, All right, children. Mrs. Knoft, if you'll make your way to the piano, we'll uh, let Hannah and... Andy, take the kids. Go, go around the front here, right through the front. They'll take them to a room. Parents, you can get the kids from there right after the invitation is done. Good job, kids. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 18, Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. I think, the, I think the very fact that these kids were able to answer these questions 
It's proof positive that the gospel is simple. And it's so simple sometimes that we overcomplicate it. Now, here's what we need to do. First of all, if, you know, if the only thing that this message has done for you is to help you learn how to communicate the gospel um, easier or better or in some different way than you already do, then I thank the Lord for that. Maybe it was a reminder of, of what Christ has done for us. And the fact is, is God does love kids. They're, they're, they're a precious heritage that we have. And I, I know we've put a lot of attention on that these past few weeks, and uh, that, that wasn't intended to, to leave anybody out. Because I'm telling you, just as much as God loves these children, God loves you. And, and the message of the gospel is really that simple. That God became a man without ever ceasing to be God. Folks, I want you to understand, and you'll probably hear me say this again because I've been studying uh, in, a, in other places in the Word of God. But you know, we don't just believe Christ because of His words. I mean, we believe Christ because of His words. He is the living Word, right? We have the written Word. He is the living Word. We believe Christ because of His words, but we also believe Christ because of who He is. A great example of that is found in John chapter 4. If you'd like to take your Bibles and look there very quickly of what I'm trying to illustrate here about this. In John chapter 4, Jesus met a woman of Samaria, and he had a conversation with her. And through the course of that conversation, he, uh, she realized that Jesus was the Messiah, the Son of God. And so uh, the, uh, the woman placed her faith and trust in Christ, and then she went back to the city and uh, said to the, to the people there at the city, in John 4, verse 29, Come see a man which told me all things that I ever did. Is this not the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. So they, they came unto Jesus, and uh, there's things that happened in the meantime. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman. Now, isn't that interesting? She, she was a witness. She said, hey, here is the Christ. This is the God-man that, that came to earth. And they were looking forward to something that was going to happen. She was placing her faith and trust in the one that would shed his blood, that did live a sinless life, and, and that could qualify to pay the, uh, pay the payment for the sins of all mankind. And because of her witness, other people came to faith in Christ, which, testify, which testified to her all that she ever did. So when the Samaritans were come unto him, they besought him that they would tarry with them and board there two days. And many more believed because of his own word and said unto the woman, Now we believe, not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves and know that this indeed is the Christ, the Savior of the world. So it wasn't just a matter of her witness, but they came around to the understanding that, that this was the word of God. And they ended up, it ended up that they placed their faith and trust in Christ because of the word of God. Now you're going to believe what you believe based on one of three things, right? Somebody told you. We see that illustrated here. Now did this woman tell the truth? Yes, she told the truth. And so some came to faith in Christ because of that. But ultimately they had to realize this is not the woman's word. This is God's word. That Jesus is Messiah. And so they came to faith and trust in Christ, not because of what the woman said, not because of their personal experience alone, but because they came to the conclusion that this was the living Word of God. And they placed their faith and trust in Christ. 
And you'll believe whatever you believe based on what somebody else tells you, uh, your own personal experience. But at the end of the day, what, what is the most important thing is that we place our faith and trust in Christ and believe because what God says in His Word. Yes, you may have received a faithful witness. You may have had a, uh, an amazing experience when you came to faith in Christ, but, but my friend, we're saved because we have believed what God has said, that God became a man and came to this earth without ever ceasing to be God, and went to the cross, shed His blood, died, was buried, and rose again the third day, proving that He was God, and proving that He alone had the power uh, to keep us from ever being separated from God again. Bodily resurrected from the dead. You say, well, why do you believe that? Because somebody else told you? I grew up in a great Christian home, so I can say, yes, somebody else told me about that. Well, how, how can you believe that? Because of your personal experience? On September 16th, 1979, I can distinctly remember the moment in which I said yes to God. And it was an amazing experience. It was an amazing feeling that came over me. But I'm telling you, it's not what I was told by other people, and it wasn't even that experience that saved me. The fact was, is I came to a heart belief that what God said about Jesus in His Word was true. And that's what saved me, and that's what saves anybody that comes to faith in Christ, including these little children. And we might look at these little kids and say, how can a child possibly come to faith in Christ? But they can because they're so trusting and so believing, and they haven't had years and years and years to become calloused towards God and towards the things of God. And may God help us to become His little children in our faith toward Him and take Him at His word and decide right now today as this invitation is given, if I've not yet come to faith in Christ because of what God's word says about the person of Christ and the passion of Christ and the payment of my sin, then we would take care of that today. That today we'd say, yes, I don't understand it all, but yes to God. That then, if we've already done that, there's been a time in our lives when we've chosen Christ, that today there will be a recommittal or a, or a first-time committal or whatever, that we would say, if God's Word says it, then it's true. And I say yes to God in whatever manner or matter it is that I find in my life that I need to say yes. Or would you say yes to God this morning? The piano plays. That's the invitation. Say yes. Say yes to God. Believe. Believe, if you've not yet trusted in Christ as your Savior, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ.